Good morning. It's wonderful to see you. I didn't realize I didn't introduce myself when I did the dedications. My name is Anna. It's wonderful to have you here at KXE. Again, particularly welcome to the, the family and friends of those who have been dedicated this morning. Um, we are in the final part of our series, looking at the house of God. Um, if I could get the, the slides up on the screen, that'd be wonderful. Um, and we've been going through this series, basically asking the question of like, God, who do you want us to be? There's going to be activities that we're doing as we move into this home. Like there's going to be stuff that we do, but so much more than the stuff that we do is actually who are we becoming? Who are we becoming as a people? So we've been looking at how we are a people of prayer and presence, how we give this place. We want this place to be a place of white hot faith, where we, where we seek the presence of God, where we seek the kingdom of God first above all else. And for that to be a place where we flow from that place of white hot faith, of intimacy with Jesus, of seeking his kingdom, of calling upon him to establish his kingdom here in King's Cross and beyond. To that, bit, that to happen within this church, but, but so much more than just having events and doing it, we want to become a people of white hot faith. We've been looking at how we're going to be a house of hospitality and healing, how we can turn ourselves out, turn our hearts outwards to the person sat next to us and the people that are just going to come off in off the street. How do we become that kind of people where people encounter the hospitality of Jesus in this place so that they can encounter the healing of Jesus? And last week, we looked at being a house of innovation and renewal, looking at the problems around us and asking, God, what's your solution? And how do you want to use that, us in the midst of that? And today, we're looking at being a house of mercy and justice, that this would be a house which is a compassionate home, where we exhibit the compassion of Jesus. And um, compassion is a compound word. It means to suffer with. Com meaning with, passion meaning to suffer, to suffer with. How are we going to be a people who choose to suffer with the people of King's Cross? What does it that look like? That's what we want to unpack today. And the reason this is so important is because as we seek God's kingdom, all of this stuff that we've been talking about, none of it is our idea. All of it comes from the heart of God. It comes from the heart of our Father. It's God's being who establishes compassion. He is compassion in and of himself. It says in Exodus, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord's compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger and bounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. The Lord is compassionate. People talk about compassion, but the compassion of God, it starts in his heart. Compassion starts in his heart. It's not our idea. It's his being. And because he's so in tune with who he is, um, it's an overflow of his character informs his doing. Which means when, Jesus, when we see Jesus walking on the earth, he has compassion on people and he heals them. He sees the crowd harassed and he has compassion on them and he's moved to do something about it. And as we have received the compassion of our Father, Paul encourages us to clothe ourselves up with compassion. For us to be a people who carry this compassion deep within us. That it actually informs who we are as a people. That we will become a compassionate people. Which then, of course, informs our doing. Which is what we want to unpack this morning. 
And I um, want to invite in just a moment um, Zach and Karis to come up and they're going to share about what does that look like for us as KXC that we can establish this place as a home of compassion, a place of mercy and justice. And it's been so exciting, even just as we've um, opened up this building. Yes, we've been having services, but one of the most exciting things I think for us as a staff team has been seeing the, 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 the partnerships moving in downstairs, of seeing the, the clients coming in and out, getting to see them face to face. We've been doing so much stuff as a church and so much of this, these things, that, these pillars that we've been looking at over the last four weeks, we're already doing them. But what we want to do is we want to take it to the next level. And actually, this is an opportunity, particularly with our work with um, in mercy and justice, to take it to the next level. And that's what we want to do. So before they come up, what I'd love to do is I'd love just for us to have a moment where we open our hearts to Jesus and say, would you come and impart your compassion? That I'm actually open this morning for you to have your heart, the things that um, you're excited about, the things that move your heart with compassion. I want you to imprint that on my heart. So why don't we do that just in a moment of quiet? And it might be that you just want to open your hands out just as a sign of saying, I'm open, Jesus. And Father, as we come before you, we might already come with a passion for mercy and justice. But Jesus, we want to give you that passion and we want to say, would you, you give us that, um, would you make it in your image? Would we carry mercy and justice in the way that you would want us to carry mercy and justice? For those of us who just actually feel really far away from this stuff, who even just the hearing about it, it it's kind of actually what happens is we feel guilt. We want to bring that before you, Jesus. And so we want to offer you ourselves. that God, you would, um, not with shame and condemnation, but you would come and open our hearts up to you. You would shape our hearts. Spirit of God, would you do something in us that actually makes us look like you? That the people of King's Cross would say, that is a place where I can come and I can experience the compassion of, of the Father. And Jesus, that's only going to happen if we say yes to you doing your work in us. Amen. Amen. Um, I'd love to invite um, Karis and Zach up to the front. Um, why don't you give them a massive round of applause? Um. I do, I, first of all, I just want to start by honouring these guys. These guys, um, they are absolutely fantastic. I have the, the joy of working with them closely, and I know how much this stuff lives in them and, and how much they live it out in their, um, in their everyday, that these guys are people of integrity. They're the ones to listen to on this stuff. They're the people that if you were going to learn from anyone, I'd say learn from these guys, learn from the way they do it. They do it in a way which is beautiful and humble. It's filled with the spirit of God. It's filled with hope. It's filled with compassion. And um, absolutely love you guys. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Good chest. Um, so guys, why don't you just share a little bit about your own st story and your own journey with this? 
Um, hi, I'm Karis. Um, I am the local mission pastor at KXE. Um, my journey into this work um, really began after I left uni. I, I'm going to try and make this really short. I got a job working for the probation service, um, and it was just on the front desk, but that's where I really experienced a heart for criminal justice. Um, and I moved from that to working um, for various charities around criminal justice, which led me to working in prison, um, which led me to becoming a prison chaplain. So I'm a, a chaplain at HMP Pentonville, which is just up the road, um, part-time. Um, and then kind of in that process, um, at some point, I think maybe five years ago, job came up here to oversee our um, social transformation projects um, part-time, which worked really well, hand-in-hand -hand with the stuff that I was doing in prison. So I've been doing that for the other half of my week for the last yeah five years, I think. Great. Um, so mine sort of started actually at KXE. It was about seven and a half years ago now, while I was a student um, and sort of got involved with some of the things that I guess Karis was overseeing. Um, so like XLP up on Bempton Estate and CAP. So over those few years, um, sort of the first time really as a young person, um, just like getting plugged in in the local community and, and serving those. Um, uh, and yeah, and, and for me, I think, um, especially uh, with XLP on the Bempton Estate, meeting younger guys that probably weren't too dissimilar to me in many ways, maybe a year younger, um, and was just like, we're very similar in so many ways, but also so different. And how am I here at university studying and yet you're here struggling to find work um, and like living in poverty. And, and from there, I then went from university and that led me to um, train to be a social worker. So I became a child protection social worker in Harrow, um, which was harrowing, uh, pun not intended. Um, but was, was, was incredibly difficult um, and went into that really scared. Um, but during that time, God really um, spoke to me about the role of the church. Um, and I saw lots of families living in isolation, living in poverty, but a fairly like absent church. Um, and so through sort of that process of working out my next steps, um, ended up working for KXE and managing the food bank uh, during the pandemic. Um, and that's now closed and we can touch on a bit of that later. But yeah, that's sort of some of my story towards uh, this work. And as as we've like opened up this building, I know you guys um, like have have fought hard for the values that we have as a as a community of like what does this actually look like and I think particularly um, the pandemic made everyone re like rethink things like how are we doing things like why are we doing what we're doing and you guys have done some really hard work I suppose a lot of it hidden um, of, of asking and wrestling with those questions so why didn't you just share some of the the values or the framework of what local mission is going to look like downstairs yeah, so I guess it first started uh, during during the food bank, and um, obviously that was a very difficult time for so many. And I think for us as a food bank team, there'll be people in this room that served on that food bank team. Um, we were sort of confronted with the harsh reality of, of the situation for so many. And um, me and Karis sort of, yeah, like explored that. We, we spent time in prayer. We um, were sort of trying to grapple with what it looked like as a church to respond beyond that. And... Um, so, um, yeah, the, the verse um, from Micah really stood out, the sort of classic one that lots of families will probably have on their wall. Um, they're like, um, act justly, love mercy, and, and walk humbly. And um, I think we, we kind of realized, uh, and actually at the same time, lots of other churches who had different Zoom calls with different churches, that mercy at, as, as a Christian response to poverty is probably the most common one. 
Um, so sort of food banks being a very obvious one, but also night shelters, um, uh, drop-ins. And there's, there's nothing wrong with those things. Those, those things are, are the, the, the sort of way in which we're like drawn into action. So that sort of heart response to seeing an individual in pain and individual suffering. Um, and, and it's absolutely beautiful to, to respond in that way and um, yeah, show, show God's love in that way. And yet I think at the same time, we felt sort of wholly sort of dissatisfied with that being the only response and, and talking with other churches, um, seeing actually God doing, moving within the church and talking about like what does um, yeah, justice look like. Um, and so there's a quote um, here which talks about mercy. Um, if that's coming up, it's not. I will read it out otherwise. He's got it on his watch. He did warn me. He's got his notes on his watch, so he's not... I wanted it to be subtle, Anna. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just looking at my time. Uh, there we go, it's up now. Never mind. So I actually realise now holding a mic, I can't move the notes on my watch. So I'm actually stitched up right now. <laughs> Didn't think this through, never mind. Uh, so uh, this is from a book called Toxic Charities, you see at the bottom. Uh, it says here, mercy is a door, an opening, an invitation to touch a life, to make a difference. It is a portal through which we glimpse at the heart of God. The tug on our heartstrings that draws us in. We encounter brokenness so overwhelming that neither a tender heart nor an inventive problem solver feels up to the task. Our solutions fall short, pathologies too deep, poverty too entrenched. We descend into our own poverty, poverty of the spirit, a crisis of confidence in our own abilities to rescue. And like the broken, we find ourselves calling out to God for answers. When our best efforts have failed us, we are left with nothing to cling to but a frail faith. And in a strange twist of divine irony, those who would extend mercy, those who would extend mercy discover that they themselves are in need of mercy. And then out of our own need, we are ready for service that is both humble and wise. And so really, that, that was some of the sort of <laughs> weightier stuff that um, we were grappling with. And, um, and we feel that from that, like, leads to justice, leads to that um, engaging with people on that longer-term basis. And, and actually, justice as, as something, uh, as a concept, is, is in the Bible, you know, over 200 times um, it's mentioned. And, you know, it, back, back then, um, the, the sort of mandate for Israel was uh, to be... Um, you know, a body of, of justice. And actually, gods back then were channeled through the elites from other religions. The elites were how they channeled um, their, their gods. And so for the mandate of Israel to be about um, standing up for the widows, the, um, the homeless, um, you know, the foreigner, as it would say in the Bible, modern day, like refugees or asylum seekers, um, and basically those with little social power. Um, and so from, from that, we, yeah, we wanted to sort of step into justice. Um, and so from that, from, we sort of formed some local mission values. And we'll unpack practically what that will start to look like for our church later. But I'll leave it to Karis to sort of talk about some of the, the other values and, and the ways in which we want to sort of root our local mission. Yeah, so we, we really analyzed the, the current partnerships and projects that we had going and we looked at all the ways they were great and all the ways they extended mercy and we looked at all the ways they extended justice and then we tried to um, create a list of values that meant that we could get every project and partnership to, to kind of subscribe to them and to um, 
pull others up in areas um, where they're maybe a little bit weaker, but also strengthen some of the other things we have going, and all really to just like underpin we're all on the same page. Um, so some of the things that we talked about were um, church community. Um, so wanting to make sure that every project, partnership, ministry that we have um, does have the gospel right at the center. So there is an opportunity within those ministries to um, extend the love of Jesus, whether that's offering prayer, whether that's reading the Bible, whether that's sharing the gospel with someone, that that is a place where... Um, you're able and you're open to be able to do that. And we had some amazing breakthroughs just in terms of praying about that. Um, just a quick story, which is that KX Brunch, one of our um, project, longest running, really, um, projects at KXE, which is a community cafe for those who are affected by street homelessness um, that runs every Sunday up at the Cowthorpe Project. And for years, the Cowthorpe, um, who are amazing in loads of ways, the one thing they were really hot on was that they weren't comfortable with us um, talking about our faith or sharing faith. Um, and it was sort of in the contract that we had with them. Um, and as we were praying about this, we just got, we thought, we'll just check again. Like, we'll just send an email and check again. Um, and we got this email back just saying, yeah, we'd absolutely love you to do that. We've got no problem with it. Please go ahead, which is just like, we were just blown away by that and, and really kind of confirmed for us that, you know, that's the right direction to be going in. Um, a few other things, accessibility, so really wanting to um, kind of commit to making church an accessible place for people who are on the margins, um, physically and emotionally and spiritually. Um, so you will see, obviously, with King's House, we've really um, pushed into that with accessibility. And um, on, on a lot of ways, we're led by Growing Hope, which is our project that works with children and families with additional needs. Um, so wanting to make sure that accessibility is really at the heart um, of what we're doing Zach's going to talk about advocacy and empowerment and things like that, but also collaboration is, is another thing that we really want to do. We want cross-partnership working um, with our projects. We want to be able to refer in and out. Um, we want there to be kind of more collaboration amongst the ministries, amongst the volunteers and the leaders, um, so that we're, we're all basically on the ball with like what we're doing. I remember like vividly two key conversations. Um, one was like during the pandemic, like everyone was doing lots of really good stuff. And it was like, well, what's, what's the difference that we actually bring as the church? What's our contribution? Which obviously like, led to that conversation of like, okay, how do we share our faith? Um, and the other thing was, you know, with the food bank, of like ha hearing these stories of people coming with needs, it's like, okay, well, how why have they got into that situation in the first place? Like, um, and why are we not asking that question? So I think those, those have been things that have been like really driving us. Just for those, just to kind of catch everyone up, what are our current ministries and partnerships um, and what do we do? Thanks. Um, by the way, I also have stuff on my phone because I, I don't want to miss a detail. Um, so I do know what I'm doing, I promise. Um, uh, so the current projects and partners that we have, some of them are in King's House, some of them are occupying spaces in King's Cross um, and Islington. Um, but the first one um, is Choices, um, which you'll hear more about again. Uh, but Choices, it, actually, as you heard in the notice, um, are a charity in Islington that provides support for um, people with... Uh, struggling with parenting, but also people in crisis pregnancy situations. Um, and they offer counselling and befriending support. And they also have their boutique, which is a uh, free baby uh, clothing and equipment service for those who really need that kind of extra hand. And the boutique is housed in King's Cross. Um, uh, sorry, in King's House. I was just going to say we should do a shout out to Sophie, because Sophie is the CEO of Choices. And um, yeah. 
She is she an extraordinary you woman. Absolutely <laughs> she extraordinary. She is. Also, if I'm not going to highlight all the leaders because there are some that aren't in the room, but there will be a moment, there's going to be a moment where I'm going to get you to stand and some of the others that are in the room. No, 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 it's fine. Just in case. Because I'm about to talk about growing hope and Abby's obviously downstairs somewhere, so etc. Anyway, um, but there will be, there's going to be an opportunity, it's fine. Um, growing Hope, uh, which is uh, our charity that um, was founded by Naomi, who's a KXEA, um, and founded a charity to um, recognising the long NHS waiting lists and the expensive nature of private care for uh, families with um, children who have additional needs. Um, and so she thought there's something the church can do about this. And so we have a Growing Hope clinic um, that runs through King's House. It provides occupational therapy, art therapy, music therapy, and speech and language therapy to children and families in Islington and Camden that have additional needs um, and need that extra support. Um, KX Brunch, which is our community cafe for those affected by street homelessness, that is, um, runs at the Calthorpe uh, Project down the road every Sunday morning. We have CAP, which is Christians Against Poverty, which we're going to see a video um, of in a minute. Um, but they are basically a nationwide debt charity. They help people get free from debt. Um, and local clinics run in local areas. So CAP Kings Cross um, is housed at King's House. We have Kayla, who's our CAP manager. Um, and people are referred to her no matter how big the debt is um, or how small the debt is. Um, CAP help people get free from it and they also provide things like employment support and um, money and budgeting management. We have our prisons ministry which we do through London City Mission. Um, predominantly that's based at HMP Penterfield up the road and obviously where I work as a chaplain. Um, so we run um, KXE run one Sunday service a month in there. LCM run another Sunday service a month in there. So there are opportunities there to get involved. Um, but we also help with the guys on release. Um, and we work in partnership with the Message Trust to provide a Bible study for them on a Friday morning um, at a cafe in Covent Garden. Um, and then lastly, we have First Fridays in XLP, which is our youth um, uh, project. So XLP is a London-wide um, youth project that provides support for young people. Um, so they have a bus on the Bemerton, which is um, up on the Cali um, in, in the Bemerton estate. And then um, Hannah and Andy Thielen from KXC founded First Fridays, which is the first Friday of every month. And uh, it is a youth, like a proper good old school youth project with inflatables, tuck shop, worship, talk. Um, and that runs in various different churches um, around kind of Chris Cross, King's Cross area and um, brings children and youth from all different areas into one place um, once a month. That's what we currently have going on. And then there are some things on the horizon, but we're talking about those in a bit. Yeah. Well, let's just talk about them now. now. Yeah. So when you, when you just share like what's what's stirring, um, and particularly as we moved into this space, like what do you what's yeah what's stirring? Yeah. Um, so th this sort of um, emerging from also the the mercy and justice sort of um, conversations, or, or sort of what is our response, as Anna sort of alluded to with the food bank, where um, it's very handy for us to sort of give someone a food parcel and then say like, see you later. Um, we'll give you another one in a couple of weeks if you need it. Um, but but actually, with with that justice thing, what does that actually look like? Um, and so a group of us um, gathered together. And so at some point soon in the near future, uh, when the sort of charities settle downstairs, we'll be starting an advocacy and companionship team. So um, advocacy being sort of little a advocacy and not um, advocacy meaning, you know, campaigning uh, against wider social change to the government, things like that, but more... Um, 
little sort of um, micro injustices that, that are happening to individuals around the area. So at the moment, that will be um, sort of limited to serving the current existing um, partners and charities. So as I sort of mentioned earlier, um, as it says in the Bible, sort of to defend the fatherless, the, the widow, um, they, they often in those sort of um, societies were people with little social power. And so when there were times of famine or invasion, they would find themselves being the first ones that would be suffering. And actually, we saw exactly the same thing during the pandemic. When something hit, those with minimal social power, the ones that like suffered first and got hit the hardest. And so um, I think, I mean, there's sort of all um, sorts of questions about sort of more practically what that looks like, some ideas sort of being that sort of companionship um, style advocacy, sort of befriending um, Anna last week talking about hospitality and healing, uh, sort of unpack the word companionship, which um, means to sort of essentially share a meal with someone, um, also understand as a companionship, also traveling with someone for a long distance of time. And so we want to um, serve the needs of those in our community, especially those that are suffering injustices, um, have their voice be heard to empower them. Um, could be anything ranging from literally sitting down and helping someone fill out some forms for universal credit to um, helping them craft a punchy email to their landlord who's trying to turf them out for, for no good reason. Um, so yeah, they're, they're some of the things that we're, we're thinking about at the moment. Um, and then a, a few other things. So um, we've got a asylum seeker and refugee support team. Uh, we met for the first time last week and had an amazing time of prayer. And that'll be starting up. I'm sort of similarly around that idea of like justice and, and companionship. And I think as Christians, what, what's really important to sort of hold on to is the, the relationship side of that, because often justice without mercy can become a bit too impersonal and become more about the rights than actually the individual. And so um, throughout all of this, we've been really careful to like hold on onto that as, as actually our purpose here, to like build relationship and friendship. And actually, um, yeah, just, just, just seeing the impact of um, shame around people living in poverty, how um, undignified they are, how they're treated in various different formats and areas. And so with the advocacy team, we really want to um, communicate uh, worth, um, communicate to people that they matter and that they belong. And that is sort of the central part of, of what we want to do, basically. So beautiful. Um, and Karis, like, what, what's your dream for King's House and for local mission? Um, I have a lot of dreams, <laughs> um, um, but a few kind of things that I guess are, I hold the strongest in my heart um, is for more collaboration between like church on a Sunday and the ministries that we have um, within local mission, um, and within that to see a greater diversity within our Sunday congregation of people that are from um, perhaps different socioeconomic backgrounds to the majority of KXC people and people that we find um, that come along on a Sunday. Um, so I would just, I would love to see, um, I guess like in my darkest moments, I think about all the projects and ministries that we have running and the amount of people that we're coming into contact with and are building friendships with and are supporting. And then the, the almost embarrassment that I feel that then you get to a Sunday and you don't see any of those people. And that is like really heartbreaking and really hard. Um, and there are loads of reasons for that. Um, but I would love to see a greater collaboration. I would love to see people come from the ministries, come here on a Sunday and feel seen and feel accepted. Um, and probably some of my like hardest moments over, I've been at KXC since um, pretty much the first year. 
And some of the hardest moments for me have been seeing people come from um, backgrounds that are, are different to majority in the room, who might look different or smell different um, or speak differently. Um, and particularly when we were in the Ethiopian church, um, which is even harder because we had pews at that point, um, someone coming to sit um, and then being the last person that um, had someone who came and sat next to them, like watching the rows fill up, um, because people avoided um, sitting with that person until they had no choice but to sit there. And that I saw that happen quite a few times. And actually, like to say, we even saw it happen last week. So it's not a um, it's not a new problem. It's a it's a problem that we uh, has been part of this our journey as a family and I think we're closer than ever to becoming like the most welcoming and, and accessible church for people who are on the margins but I would love to see more of that I'd love to see people they're the first person that people sit next to um, so that's like that's one of the big dreams um, and then the other one is that um, and actually really to do with this vision of, of people finding home here um, is that historically like as a church and from the front and I hold myself accountable to this as well our language around when we're talking about helping the poor serving the poor um, when we're talking about serving on a project or volunteering it's very much outside of the church you know if you from within the church want to serve someone we talk we almost alienate people to be outside of the church when actually statistically there are people in our congregation now people who have experienced abortion and might need some help from choices, people who ha are in debt and actually need to come and see Kayla about their debt. And like there's, um, our language needs to change basically about it not being just kind of people who are outside the church who need our help, but actually we are a family, like we are a congregation and there are people in our congregation who maybe don't feel able to come and talk about the things that they're facing because we make it sound like it's a problem that exists outside of the church. And so um, I guess that's my other big dream is that actually over this time we'll be able to talk more inclusively um, about the things that are really hard and that are really difficult and maybe are a bit taboo um, for the kind of general millennial <laughs> demographic um, who works full time, you know, like all of these things. So I guess that's the other side is, is that we change our language and we change like our approach um, over time. Um, that it does, this isn't just a place where people can come and feel like welcome, but a place where people can come and feel belong, that they belong. And also if they've been here for years, that they're able to talk about some of the problems that they might have held secret for a long time. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think we've got a, a video, is that right? Mm. Um, so if we could, and what, and could you, do you want to intro the video just to explain what it is? Mm. Uh, yes. So um, this video uh, is uh, promoting the work that we do with CAP Kings Cross. Um, so those of you who have been around for a while, you'll know that we've had a CAP centre on and off um, at KXC, but we are back up and running and have been for nearly a year now. Um, and uh, this is the story of um, Marie, who just beautifully let us film her, which was so kind, um, and how she came to know CAP um, and the support that she has found um, through getting to know CAP, getting to know Kayla, the CAP manager, and Tommy Ellis, who went along as befriender and um, uh, part of the visits team, which we'll talk about afterwards as well. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll just let the video play. My name's Marie. 
and I've been in Islington quite a long time since a teenager and um, I had a debt problem and so I was kind of googling like how could I get help for debt in Islington and I found help on your doorstep so I rang them and they referred me to CAP. I just would ignore the calls and just like, I can't pay that, I can't afford to pay it, so. Or I need to buy my son a coat today. I can't pay this, in, so. I was just trying to balance it out myself, but obviously it wasn't dealing with the problem and it wasn't getting any better. Once I had the first appointment in my house with Kayla, because I felt really um, like she was so friendly and calming and open to any questions, like even if I didn't understand the silliest little thing, I could ask her. So I felt at ease after that, especially when they like take all your paperwork and say, okay, we're gonna get back to you. We need to contact everybody. You kind of feel like, okay, they're dealing with it now. I'm not gonna have like these bullies asking me for my money and like calling my phone constantly and stuff. So I felt like a weight off my shoulders. I feel much more relieved that everything's um, getting dealt with and things are in place and I kind of have a budget of what I'm supposed to be doing. It's just peace of mind because you know that people that are harassing you you can say, look, Kat, I'm dealing with my, my debts, can you call them? Rather than take all that stress on and anxiety. And they don't really listen to us. So it's better for people to have you guys as a support system for them. I have a 14-year-old son and he has a lot of stress with school and like gang members bothering him and, and bullying. And so I mentioned it to Kayla. And um, yeah, she said, look, we have a mentoring scheme that we can help your son. Maybe it can support him if you would like. So now my son has a mentor. My son's going on a trip with the mentors and the mentees. So it'll be like a group residential. So that's really nice for him as well. And that's because I decided to get involved because of my debt. So I had that and also I mentioned that I was trying to do my CV and stuff. So there was a job club recommended to me as well. So it's good to just talk. And because you guys are so friendly, you just end up talking about all your life. And you never know, there may be some things that you guys could help with um, because you're not just about debt. I think at first when you think I'm in touch with like a debt agency or a debt advice, you feel like it will be more formal, so you're like, you don't want them to come to your house. But then you guys are quite casual and easygoing, so it didn't feel like that when you came to my house. It felt more like friends were coming to see if I'm okay.
managed to get through that one without crying. I've cried every time I watched that, by the way, so it's helpful that I couldn't really see it. Um, just to say the mentoring that she mentioned, that's through XLP. Um, so that demonstrates the collaboration of like, we want to see more of that. So what she mentioned to Kayla about her son, because we knew about the mentoring work that XLP does, Kayla put in touch with XLP, um, who have given her a mentor, and the weekend away that she just talked about has just happened, and she said that he had the, the most brilliant time, and that it, he's, it's really changed his life, like, that, that's not an exaggeration, like, it actually has changed his life, and, um, yeah, it's just really beautiful. Oh, yeah, let's give him a round of applause. Um, we are so proud of you guys, really, really proud, but you can't do this on your own. And um, I'm sure there's people here thinking like, well, how do I get involved? What does it look like actually practically for us as a church to become that kind of, those kind of people? Great. Yeah. Just, just sort of before Karis talks about some of the, the practical uh, parts of like getting involved, just want to sort of like um, premise it with, um, you know, even if you're not feeling like you can get involved or like you're feeling anxious or, or you think you've got no skill sets or anything like that, like, I still don't really know what I'm doing. Ge like, genuinely, like, every day I wake up and, like, there'll be some bits I'm like, oh, I'm more used to this now. But as a whole, like, I don't. And I remember, like, even sort of going into social work and then leaving social work and then going back into social work. I still, like, was absolutely bricking it. Like, like I, I, that's genuinely the truth. Like, most days it's, like... It's like tough and I don't really understand what I'm doing, but as a whole, like um, staying rooted in my faith and knowing that this is what I'm being asked to do um, really just like allows me to do it. And so if people are in here feeling like they, they don't know like what to do or whether they can do it, just, just take that first step. Could just be come and ask me and Karis some questions, come and hang out with us on a Sunday or in the week. But yeah, Karis will talk about some of the more practical things, but just wanted to start with that basically. Yeah, so I guess first of all, um, if you want support from any of our projects um, or any help from any of them, then do let us know. Um, come and talk to us um, because there will be people here who are in need of support. You know, if you're in debt, um, if you've experienced abortion, perhaps you've got a criminal conviction and you're finding it hard to get a job, you know, there are many ways that we might be able to help. So do come and share with us if you've got a burden um, and you need support and help, please come and talk to us. Um, if you are looking to volunteer and you want to um, serve on these projects, um, we take uh, sign-ups for all of our projects. Some of them, we're a little bit of, we have kind of capacity um, and we'll let you know if we're at capacity, but there are um, two in particular that I really want to promote. Um, one is CAP, we're desperately in need of visits team. Um, and that is, an, What's hard, I, I know what's hard about our projects is a lot of the, the serving opportunities are in the week and um, a lot of people here work full time um, and we're, we're working to create more weekend opportunities within the ministries that we um, have here. So just kind of watch the space for that. But if you have time in the week, if you're a student, you're a freelancer, if you're retired um, and you have some hours to give, um, particularly our CAP visits team, uh, really needs some help. Kayla sometimes has to ask people to come to King's House because she's got no one to visit with her. So um, come and ask us more questions about that if you're interested um, in that role. And then also Growing Hope um, Kids Team on a Sunday. If you've got a heart for um, children that need a bit more support, you want to be there um, with that child as they are in Sunday school, as they're hearing about Jesus. And you 
want to one-to-one them and, and be with them and, and have more support for them and for the parents that come. Um, we really need um, some extra pairs of hands within the Growing Hope um, team on a Sunday. Um, and then also, I would love to ask our mission leads <laughs> to stand, Sophie. Um, but also, if you're in the room today and you lead on a local mission team and you'll know who you are, um, and I've got my glasses on, so you're actually just a blur. Peter, I can see you. Yeah, and is Libby here? Libby, great. So if you could stand up, basically, um, if you lead on a local mission project. Lovely, Luke, thank you. That's my husband doing things very well. Um, I didn't I forgot to mention you, sorry. Um, <laughs> All the, um, over the three services, we're going to ask for those people in the room to stand. So there'll obviously be a, uh, we'll do this every service. But um, I just want to intro the ones that are here so that if you are thinking, oh, I want to do this and you know who to talk to. So Peter and Libby lead on KX Brunch, our Sunday morning community cafe. Um, if you're interested in volunteering on a Sunday morning, um, please go and talk to them or talk to us. But much prefer you to go and talk to them because they live this stuff week in, week out. Um, and thank you so much for um, everything that you do to lead um, KX Brunch. It is longest serving project. Um, we've had highs and lows and you guys have just stayed committed throughout and we're just really grateful and really thankful for you. Um, Sophie, who leads Choices, as you heard earlier. Um, so uh, if you're interested in befriending, um, in the boutique that we've got running, um, if you would like to access help or support from Choices, please do go and speak to Sophie. She'll be around um, or come and talk to us. And then also Luke. Luke is the team leader for Prisons and Resettlement at London City Mission. Um, so Luke, um, with me, heads up our um, prison ministry stuff within KXE. Um, he runs the fourth Sunday um, service of the month at Pentonville. I run the second Sunday. Um, so when we were at capacity, I usually defer to him. Um, but he also, um, there's lots of new ideas around supporting people on release. And like his job is about connecting churches to people who are getting released from prison who want to belong to church community. So um, if you're interested in finding out more about that, please go and talk to Luke. And I can't see if there's anyone that there's no one standing up over there. Good. Okay. Um, so thank you, guys. Thank you. And then I lastly just want to um, take a moment to thank individuals in the room who are committed and are serving on any of our local mission projects and partnerships. Often it's a hidden thing. Often not everyone will know that you are committed, that you're on a team, that you show up. Um, and that you um, serve people who are in challenging situations. And um, there are a lot of you. And I just want to say, like, I'm so thankful. And, like, we want to take a moment to recognize because the weeks go by so quickly. We don't always get this moment to recognize the time and the commitment that you will give. So just want to say, like, a massive thank you to you. You'll know who you are. Um, and, and, yeah, thank you. And please keep doing it. And please give us feedback as well because that's also really important. Amazing. Um, and also, I, I know some workplaces like will actually allow people to, to use some of their work time. If you go to your line manager and say, hey, actually, I want to volunteer once a month. I want to give like two to three hours to go and visit on a cap, um, a cap and tell them about it. Um, maybe that's something that you actually want to do, have that conversation with your line manager. Worst thing, they can say no. So, you know, fine. Um, and finally, um, like Zach, you, I mean, you've touched on some of this, but like, how do we actually prepare our hearts for this stuff? Um, I mean, there's so many ways uh, to do that. Um, 
I think one of the ones that I felt really challenged by um, recently and sort of prompted to share, um, and it's probably a bigger conversation for a bigger time for for all of us, um, including myself, but um, one of one of those being around like, how do we see people living in poverty? Like, what do we actually believe? Um, because if we believe um, as sort of, we love John Wesley, um, in the church, talk about John Wesley a lot. Um, he basically says, uh, so wicked, devilishly false is a common objection that they are poor just because they are idle. And I just, yeah, just feel like ch- challenged by that to be like, if we believe that people are in poverty because they're lazy, they're stupid, they're addicted, um, all of these things that actually do hold a lot of value in our society. A lot of us actually do believe that and joint public issues team a collection of churches did research around this and found lots of churches, people in the church do believe that. If we believe that, then that's their justice. People living in poverty is their justice. If we don't believe that, then we believe that their their future, their actual justice is bigger, more beautiful than, than them living in a situation in poverty. Um, and I guess, um, yeah, around that also, Gregory Boyle, um, uh, he runs the largest gang rehabilitation program in, in Los Angeles. He's a Jesuit priest. Um, started some work with people in the gangs after the LA riots in 92, um, says that the compassion that they seek is to stand in awe of how the people in poverty carry their burdens, opposed to standing in judgment of how they carry them. And so I just feel like in these moments, like including myself and Karis, like we will, we have to like grapple with these beliefs when we meet people about why, why they're in their situation, um, and just that sort of asking if Jesus, spending time with Jesus to basically ask him, how do you see them? Um, what's the reality of the situation? And so I think in terms of preparing your hearts, it's probably the best thing that we can do and something that we need to do on a daily basis. That's amazing. Anything else? Um, yeah, just maybe just want to challenge the... Uh, if anyone's feeling like, oh, I just don't have, I don't have the skills, um, and B, uh, I think a lot of the time we don't do something because we think someone else will do it or someone else is better at it, um, and that, like Zach began with, is like just not the case. You know, we we all have skills to bring, um, and if the smallest thing you can do is extend friendship to someone like that's actually a massive thing the smallest thing you can do is the next time that you come to church you look at someone who's sitting on their own and you go and sit with them that's massive and like and so I guess the challenge is don't count yourself out but look for a way that you can opt in it's amazing should we give a round of applause again